In this episode of Physically Spiritual, I'll explore the healing power of stories. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. It was the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. I just got back from a week-long wrestling camp, and my brother picked me up from my friend's house who I went on the camp with. Uh, He seemed kind of distant, like there was something he wasn't telling me. And as we drove home, we were stopped by a train. And sitting there at the train tracks, my brother Adam asked me if I wanted to get out of the car. Uh, I remember getting out of the car. It was the middle of the summer, but it wasn't too hot of a day. There was a cool breeze. Uh, we were right next to a um, a cemetery. And um, as we got out of the car and approached one another, he looked at me and just said, Nick is dead. Um, Nick was my only cousin on my dad's side of the family, the only son of uh, my aunt and uncle, Kathy and Rick. At that moment, um, shattered me. I I initially just was in shock. And the moment um, I got home, I I remember uh, just breaking down. Um, See, see Nick wasn't just a cousin. He was the cousin. Um, He wasn't um, just the cousin. He was the person that I think in my heart of hearts, I really looked up to the person that I wanted to be like the person that, um, that I thought was the definition of success of, of goodness, uh, of energy. He could light up a room, tell a story. Um, so it wasn't just a matter of losing a loved one. It was a matter of, of sort of losing the best of who we were as a family. Um, I remember uh, driving to the funeral hours away to where they, they lived in Cincinnati and just listening um, to music on repeat, but feeling so distant from everything, um, feeling like I was watching my own life. Um, and, and, uh, and, and in that, um, going to the funeral, um, getting to meet his friends from college, his friends from uh, his early career. And, um, and then finally coming home at the end and having to figure out life afterwards, um, family holidays done differently, um, really kind of a light taken away from us, um, in a way that's hard to explain. Uh, it's kind of, might be kind of odd to start a podcast with a story like that. Um, but I wanted to share that with you. Um, one, because I wanted to share that with you, (laughs) uh, two, because there was a point of, of my life uh, where I couldn't get through that story without breaking into tears. And not that that, that feeling is gone, um, but I'm, I'm able to tell it now um, without being overwhelmed, staying connected, staying present. Um, but three, uh, I also wanted to share it with you as an example. An example. Uh, stories have the power to shape our entire life. We're a part of a bigger story. We're part of God's story, but we're also uh, a story in ourselves 
We're, we're a great tale, a narration. Uh, we're the hero in our own life. And stories have a, a, a tremendous amount of power, power to define who we are, but also a power to affect relationships. The ability to tell stories is core to what it means to be human. And we see this as, as a biological fact as much as we do as a spiritual fact. Different styles of storytelling have the effect of releasing uh, neurochemicals like dopamine, oxytocin, and endorphins. These three super positive chemicals in the brain, dopamine helps us focus, makes us feel good, gives us pleasure, tells us what, what we really want. Oxytocin helps us feel connected, bonded, close. The, the story that I just told you uh, really could have the effect of releasing oxytocin in you. How do you feel now compared to before I started the podcast? What's in your heart? How do you feel about me? That's the effect of oxytocin on your system. Uh, in his uh, memoir, that's also a story about the divine comedy called How Dante Can Save Your Life, Rod Dreher, in his sixth chapter, tells a, a short s- snippet of the divine comedy. Then he goes on to explain this. He says, something happened in your brain just now when you heard that description of the setting for the Commedia's opening scene. Neuroscientists have found that the telling of a story, no matter how simple, lights up parts of our brains that lie dormant when we process language. In fact, research has shown that the brain reacts to stories in the same way it responds to actual events. When a story fully enters into your imagination, it is as if you experience it yourself. The more vivid and sensual the descriptions within the story, the more powerfully, the more powerful its lessons, moral and otherwise, lodge in the brain. So what he's explaining here is this discovery of modern science. As we're experiencing a story, the way our brain reacts to it isn't as if we're processing language, something in in the brain shifts and it's as if we're experiencing what the story itself is describing. Imagine the point of a book that sometimes people say it's getting into the book or getting lost in the book, or it becomes a page turner, right? It's that moment when you're no longer noticing the fact that you're reading. You're no longer noticing the words you're reading the book But what you're noticing is the story happening in your mind. This has an effect on us as if we were in the story, as if we were experiencing the story. So great literature has the effect of forming us, of changing us. This also has, uh, has an effect in our relationships. You know, one of the, uh, the greatest blessings that Nick brought to all of us was his ability to tell stories. He was a great storyteller. I remember sitting around um, the table during family holidays and he would tell stories of he and his friends adventures in college or, or as young professionals and, and um, the effect of, of entering into his life and the, the joy of sharing in those moments uh, are some of the, uh, the most uh, positive memories of my entire life. So hearing those stories, it wasn't just um, hearing the words or knowing what happened we were literally there with him. We didn't miss each other's lives, even though we saw each other every couple months. Because in the stories, we experience one another's 
stories. Uh, so this is the, the real power of, of sharing story and relationship is that if we get to know each other, you hearing my story isn't just you knowing about me. It's actually you experiencing my life in your mind and heart. Before I go further, I want to ask you to consider supporting the work of Physically Spiritual. This podcast wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the Totus Tuus community. The Totus Tuus community, they're patrons of Physically Spiritual, giving it at any dollar level a month. Uh, there are different perks you get in return. So if you want to support this show, head over to physicallyspiritual.com. If you want to get access to your perks as a member of the Totus Tuus community, or just have a great way to experience the shows or a great Catholic alternate to social media, get the Awaken app. The Awaken app can be found at theawakenapp.io, or you can search for the Awaken app on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. A great uh, new feature on the Awaken app is called Awaken Your Lent. Awaken Your Lent is just a Lenten offering from Awaken Catholic. Um, it includes uh, daily meditations on the scripture, meditations on the lives of the saints, a meditation by a priest, and also I'm re- recording restorative meditations. It's a, a Catholic mind-body approach to entering into the Sunday Mass readings. So head over to theawakenapp.io to get the app or access to Awaken Your Lent. The scientist Dan Siegel, in his book, The Developing Mind, How Relationships in the Brain Interact to Shape Who We Are, says this, Our dreams and stories may contain implicit aspects of our lives, even without our awareness. In fact, storytelling may be a primary way in which we can linguistically communicate to others as well as to ourselves the sometimes hidden contents of our implicitly remembered minds. Stories make available perspectives on the emotional themes of our implicit memory that may otherwise be consciously unavailable to us. This may be one reason why journal writing and intimate communication with others, which are so often narrative processes, have such powerful organizing effects on the mind. They allow us to modulate our emotions and make sense of the world. So our, our memories are a mix of implicit and explicit storage. The explicit memories are, uh, are really the, the senses. We remember what we saw, what we heard, <clears throat> excuse me, what we touched, how we felt. Uh, the implicit memories, on the other hand, don't have that sense content. We don't remember clearly the pictures. We don't remember the sounds, the words. We don't remember the events, but we do remember the feelings. So oftentimes the way our implicit memories function is something in the present is reminiscent of that memory. So then the feeling is elicited from that past event, but the, the, the concrete content of the experience doesn't come back with us. So what Dr. Siegel is explaining here is this uh, storytelling process or narrative process actually enables us to re-experience that past thing. Not just uncovering the explicit elements of the memory, but also revealing the implicit elements of the memory. So by, by telling our stories, by writing our stories, by sharing our stories, we're not just... Uh, Recalling a past, 
thing, we're actually coming to know our own past better. We're in the storytelling, discovering something about ourselves that wouldn't be available to us if we hadn't told the story. We're re-experiencing the event too, in a way that's more profound and more deep and more rich than we're capable of recalling it just in our own mind. So this could have a powerful effect in reorganizing and renegotiating the way we think and helping to deal with emotional difficulties and and renegotiating difficult memories and also from healing uh, the different traumatic things that have happened in our life. We're not just a, a solitary story, a narrative on its own, but we're really part of a bigger story. We're a part of God's story. I think the scriptures don't just invite us to, to enter into a, 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 his, a history lesson or something like that. But think of that power of story that in entering into story, we're not just um, recalling an event of the past or learning about somebody else's life. We're actually entering into that story in our own mind. Now think of the power of that in light of the scripture. That is, I'm reading the stories of, of Jesus's life. As I'm experiencing the apostles recount these intimate narratives from their, their own story that include Jesus. I'm not just learning about them like from a history textbook. I'm actually becoming a part of the story in my own mind. In my mind, in my imagination, I'm experiencing those stories as if I were there. I remember as a, as a young a man, early in my conversion, thinking something like this. If I were just alive in the first century, if I were just there to hear Jesus preach, if I were just there to, to see him heal people, then I could really believe, then I could really have strong faith. But, but think of that conviction in light of, of this knowledge. I, I am there in my heart and in my mind by entering deeply and meaningfully into the scriptures, uh, I'm there with Jesus. My, my body doesn't tell the difference. I experience it as if I was one of the apostles, as if I was a person in the crowd, as if Jesus was actually saying it to me. And, he, and the, the even deeper power is that Jesus actually is saying it to me. Right? He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. So when Jesus said those words in the first century, he wasn't just saying them to the people that were there listening to him. In his divine mind, he was also meaning to say them to me. The scripture is, is, is personally written to you. The words of Jesus are personally said to you. Uh, here's an example of one of these really powerful stories. It's, it's from the Gospel of John. And John is really here, I think, telling the story of how he encountered Jesus. And I want you to pay attention to the details of the story, the, the kind of fleshiness of the story. This is John chapter 1, verses 35 to 39. John says, The next day John, here referring to John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. As he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? 
They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Pay attention to the story. In the story, the author makes a point to, to mention it's the next day. Jesus walks by. It's a description of what's physically happening. As they start to follow him, there's the, the description that Jesus turned and saw them. You know, just, just imagine in, in John's mind remembering this, uh, Jesus turning around and making that eye contact, right? Seeing that Jesus sees them, being seen by Jesus. And then they ask him, where are you staying? Right? Maybe thinking that, oh, can we come back and see you later? Um, but Jesus invites them not just to come back or to know where he lives or be familiar with them. Jesus doesn't just add his phone number in their, in their contacts. <laughs> he says, come and you'll see. Jesus invites them into his life. And it ends with this interesting detail. Um, John ends, it was about four in the afternoon. It was about four in the afternoon. Like, why did John say this? Why did he feel like it was so important to include the time of day it was? You know, some scholars say it was because uh, this was the eve of the Sabbath. So just sort of explaining the fact of why the apostles would have stayed with Jesus, thinking, well, on the Sabbath, they're only supposed to walk so much, they're only supposed to travel so much. So they would have like had to stay with Jesus because of the Jewish law. But the explanation that I've heard for this that I really like is from Curtis Martin, uh, the founder of Focus. And when he ex- I heard him explain this verse, he said, th- the reason he said it there, it's because he's telling the story from his heart. He's telling the story from his heart. <coughs> Excuse me. So we, we add in these details, these fleshy details about making the eye contact, about watching him walk by, about what time of day it was, when we're expressing something that's deep in us, that's meaningful to us. So the scripture is not a history book. It's an account of meaningful stories from the apostles' life that were invited to become a part of, that were invited to enter into. We also have our own story. We're a part of a story, and, and God's the author of that story. I'm the author of that story. And every other free person that's ever interacted with me is an author of our stories. I think our own personal story is the, the story of our life that the characters are also the authors. The, the people we know, the people we love, the people who harm us, the people we're in relationship are all writing on the page of our life. And there's something about our own story that, that forms us. It makes us who we are in a way that almost nothing else does. The stories of our past have shaped us, formed habits in us, uh, caused us to, to change our feelings, our beliefs. They cause us to react differently in the present. So some, uh, some therapists, some scientists propose the idea that exploring and sharing our own stories is a powerful way to renegotiate our relationship to our past and change the way we write our stories in the present. This is what uh, Dan Allender says in his book, To Be Told. 
Know your story, shape your future. He says, God is not bound by time, nor is our story. We desperately want our situation to be solved. We want resolution. But God unfolds the plot in his own time. It is in our months or years of waiting that our story comes to maturity. It is over a lifetime of stories that he turns our desire toward him. So in in writing our story, in writing in the book of our life, God's desire is to slowly over the course of our life, turn our desire toward him. Note here our desire, not just our, our knowledge, our wisdom, not just that we understand God, not just that we choose God, that our will is toward, turned toward him, but that our desire turns toward him. A, a transformation of heart occurs, a harmony of our whole life being turned toward God. And this happens in the midst of our story. What I want to propose uh, we can do with these stories of our life um, is that we can, we can explore the stories, we can write the stories, then even sometimes share the stories with other people. In this process of, of encountering our own story, writing our own stories, and sharing our own stories can have a powerful impact on changing uh, who we are emotionally and, and especially overcoming places where we feel stuck. We have to start this process with admitting our own limited knowledge about our own life. Our, our memories fragmented, our memories partial, our memories not perfect. It's a mix of explicit and implicit. So there are things even about our own story that we don't remember, or if we remember them, we might not remember them accurately. So we have to, to begin by admitting this, this limit, admitting that we're not actually the experts of our own life. But God who was there, God who's all-knowing, whose mind doesn't have the limits of our mind, God knows our story better than we do. So as we try to approach the stories of our lives, it's not a matter of recalling our stories. It's a matter of allowing God to tell us our stories. It's entering into our past, not alone, but entering into our past with God and maybe even sometimes with others. Go to God to hear the truth about yourself. The the reality is that God's not the only one trying to tell you your story. The enemy of human nature, the devil, is also trying to tell you who you are, is trying to tell you your story. But the devil's version is full of lies and deceit, defining you in your worst moments as your sin, limiting you to your current horizons. But God wants to tell you the truth about yourself, who you are, who you were, and who you will be. God sees your whole life in his present eternity. So God will tell you your past in light of your future. And God will lead you into your future in light of your past. Knowing your story is key to discernment. Knowing where God is taking you, it's key to know where God has brought you from. What's the trajectory? What are the the big movements in the plot? 
It's not necessary to go back and make a whole catalog of your life. I'm not proposing that you go back to uh, the earliest memory you have and you start there writing about it. And then you go through and you sort of catalog all your difficult experiences, all your big experiences, all the things that, that have harmed you, all the things that have shaped who you are. I would propose that you start with the present. And starting from the present, ask God what it's all about. So a great way to integrate this is with your examination of conscience. Maybe you're examining your conscience and you have some sin you've fallen into, something you've done you regret. Maybe it's a habitual sin or a grave sin you keep struggling with. Well, in your examine, just say, God, uh, show me the roots of this in my life. Show me the roots of this in my story. A call on the Holy Spirit to guide your heart and your mind and then just be open. Be open to what God brings into your consciousness it could be a feeling. It could be a sensation. It could be a picture. It could be a full memory of something that happened in your past. So once God has brought your, life, your own life to your attention, then write about it. Uh, when, when you write about it, um, there's, there's a helpful worksheet. Uh, I was uh, really made aware of these ideas by... Um, by a counselor by the name of Adam Young, who has a podcast called The Place We Find Ourselves. So, but from on his uh, counseling practice page, uh, just if you share your email with him, you, he gives you a, a collection of worksheets, of free tools. And one of the worksheets is uh, a guide to writing and sharing your own stories. So I'll have links to all that in the show notes. Adam was uh, formed by Dan Allender. So his book, To Be Told, and his other books, The Healing Path, um, and he also has a book on recovering from abuse, uh, these books have really formed my my thinking on this topic too. So I want to give credit to Dan Allender, and I'll link uh, the Seattle School and his work in the show notes too if you want to go uh, even deeper on these topics. Uh, so here is Adam Young's uh, guide on how to write a story. He proposes um, starting with questions like, who who disappointed you, wounded you, or hurt you? How old were you and how long did it go on for? How did you respond to the event? Who did you talk about? Uh, who did you talk to about it and what was their response? Here's some of the principles of writing the story. One is to land the plane. We're tempted to tell our stories from like a 100,000 foot perspective. Like we're watching our life from an airplane. Um, the more difficult the memory is oftentimes, the more we'll tell the story like a newscaster talking about our life as if it wasn't even ours. So when we're, we're writing the stories of our own life, when we're telling the stories of our own life, it's important to land the plane, tell it from the ground level, tell it from the first person perspective. As you're telling the stories, mind the gap, mind the gaps, meaning What's missing? Are there chunks of time that are missing? Are there people that are missing that you know, like this person did this, but I don't remember who that person was? Are there important details you can't remember? Can, can you not recall how old you were or, uh, or how you felt as it was happening? Mind those, those spaces and become curious as to what happened. Follow your strong emotions as you're telling the story. 
If, if you tell something and you get teared up or you feel a strong sensation in your body, maybe as you're telling something, there's a strong repulsion. You don't want to tell it. Those strong emotions often uh, sort of guide us down the path as to, to what's, what's hit, what lies dormant, what lies hidden, what's disconnected, what's disorganized, uh, what's really still powerfully controlling us. Embrace the complexity of the story. In, in the story, um, often I think when I write, since I don't, as I shared in the previous episode, like to write very much, uh, what I want to do is I want to get the story done. <laughs> I want to tell the story and I want it to be a short story. I want to have it done in a hundred words or less. Uh, but we need to embrace the complexity of it, allow it to grow, allow it to be as long as it is. And as we're experiencing it, allow the mix of emotions to be there. Allow yourself to be confused, to be angry, to be hurt. Uh, sometimes when I've written my own stories, told my own stories, things that I thought were going to be sad actually turned out to be joy stories. They turned out to be places where I felt connected. They, they turned out to be places um, that I, I sort of longed to be again. So I've been surprised by the contours of my own life. So be open to the complexity. Let it be what it is. Don't impose your, um, your, your, your pre-thought-out um, ideas. Don't impose your expectations on it. Be curious. Here's a quote that, um, that Adam Young shares from Dan Allender on this worksheet. He says, The past is the place we developed our deepest convictions about ourselves, life, and God. One cannot enter another's past merely by hearing the conclusions and convictions that resulted from it, but by being invited into the story itself. When one is permitted into this terrain, the guest stands on holy ground. The guest stands on holy ground. So to even go deeper with a story, the next step is to actually share it with somebody. To invite somebody into the holy ground of your life. To invite somebody into it. So uh, one way to do this is to write your story and then read your story back to God. So you, you hear your story from God. You let him guide your heart and your mind into your past. Um, and then on the other side, then you tell the story back to God. You might consider um, a professional counselor as someone to tell your stories to your spouse or a significant other or one of your close friends, one of your best friends. Some churches actually have story groups or there can be gr groups where people get together to share their stories with one another. So these are all places where we can share our stories. <coughs> Excuse me. It's important as we write our stories and we share our stories that we stay connected. There is a place where we're going into the memories of our past, recalling those experiences. We're really reliving the experiences. And in reliving the experiences, we can become re-traumatized. That difficult thing that hurt us in the first place can hurt us again. In, in the contours of our own mind. So as we're, we're digging into these things, it's okay to take breaks. Stop. Just because it hurts doesn't mean that you have to keep going. I would, I would encourage you to, uh, as you're experiencing the stories of your own life, thinking about them, writing about them, sharing them, to liberally take breaks, to breathe, to pause, to allow there to be space, 
if you need to let it go and come back later, or even let it go and and not come back to it until you have the support of somebody else there with you, I would encourage you to do that. But but it's important to stay connected. If it's if it's too much, if it's too big, if it's too painful, what the body will want to do is dissociate. It will shut down. It will go into like a like a playing dead state. And you'll know this happens because you'll no longer be able to feel the sensations in your body or access the emotions that were there. You'll go back into narrator mode, into um, into anchor man mode or anchor woman mode. Uh, so if you start to experience this kind of dissociation, disconnection happening, take a break. Take care of yourself. Make space. So I hope um, and I pray that you have the courage to enter into your own story and see it in light of God's story. It could be a great tragedy in life that we just, in all these difficult things, we move on. Right? We, we never reapproach the past. We never take the time to let God tell us the story of our own lives. Uh, sometimes Christians have this, this idea that in conversion, you're just supposed to let go of the past. You're just supposed to not remember all that stuff. Let bygones be bygones. And we're thinking about the future. We're living in the resurrection. And I don't think this is really what God wants. God wants us to, to enter, enter deeply into the way he's interacted with, our, our, with us in our past, too. In those difficult moments. Um, I want to end with the idea of a, of a story prayer exercise. Um, years ago, I was struggling with something and I went uh, a nearby shrine as was staffed and led by a, a community of Franciscan friars. And I went and spoke to, um, to one of the friars. And, and what he had invited me to do was um, to share this a story of my life. <clears throat> and as I was sharing the story of my life, we paused and he wanted to go back through the story. And this time, uh, what he invited me to do was to go through the story and this time uh, remember the story Jesus in the scene, literally re-recall the story, um, but visually, auditorily, physically put Jesus in the memory. And at first I, I was like, not too sure about this because it was, I'm making things up, but then I remembered, well, God is present in my life. God is there. So, so I'm not making it up. I'm making explicit with my senses, with my imagination what was there, but I couldn't sense at the time. And we went back through that memory together now with Jesus in the story. And he asked me, you know, what does Jesus look like? What's Jesus saying to you as this terrible thing is happening? Uh, what, what's Jesus uh, expression? Uh, what does Jesus do as it's happening? Uh, and it was, was really profoundly healing, uh, to, to recall Jesus present there with me. And this is another tool that I've brought into my examine, into that daily prayer of reviewing my life. Sometimes if I struggle with something, if I've sinned, if, if something difficult happens, what I do then in the examine is, is I'll reapproach that memory, but I'll, I'll think of it with Jesus in the scene. And I'll talk to Jesus about it. I'll let him talk to me about it. I'll see what he does in the scene. Uh, in, in that way, really renegotiate that memory with, with Christ 
call to mind a deeper reality of that story that Jesus was present in it. So I hope this uh, this episode's been helpful to you. I hope you have the, the courage to enter into your story. Dig into some of the resources in the show notes to um, just get some more guidance and some more skills as to how to approach the story. Uh, I'd really recommend getting the book To Be Told by uh, Dan Allender to go even deeper on this topic. God bless everyone. Thank you so much for being a part of Physically Spiritual. Every moment of the show you've watched, know that I'm grateful that you've given your time to this. I'm so passionate about the message that I'm trying to share, and I'm excited about the future of the show. So thank you for every like, every view, every watch, every follow, every comment, every rating you give in the show. And a special thank you to all you that are already members of the Awakened Nation. So thanks again for supporting the show.